The book of Deuteronomy, in which you have found in your Bible by now, I'm sure, is a 40-day revival meeting at the edge of the river before Moses and the children of Israel go into the promised Canaan land. Forty days of preaching by Moses reminding the people of God of all that God has done for them from the time they were delivered from bondage in Egypt through the 40 years of wandering to the Red Sea, to the running out of water, to the thirst, to smiting of the rock, the issue of water, the serpents on the pole, all he has been reminded them of how good God has been. And in Deuteronomy chapter 32, just before the entering in into Canaan, chapter 33, God is blessing each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And chapter 34, God is speaking to Moses and takes Moses to the top of the mountain and shows him all the promised land and tells Moses, I'm sorry, Moses, you can see it, but you can't enter in. And there Moses dies and God himself buries Moses in chapter 34. Probably buried him where no one will ever be able to find his grave. Because if they should be able to find Moses, they might be tempted to worship such a prophet, such a powerful man. And God means for no man to be worshiped. Only he is to receive the glory. And so previous to entering into the promised land, Moses has been speaking now for some 40 days. And now Moses is saying to the people of God, verse 11, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth forth, spreadeth abroad her wings, and taketh them up, taketh them, and beareth him on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him. Think about it a minute now. Moses is teaching the nation of Israel how God has grown them, enabled them to grow, Enable them, bless your heart, to do what God purposed them to do. And he uses an unusual metaphor, if you please, or an analogy, whatever you'd like to say. And he uses a mother eagle. By the way, much is said about eagles in the Bible. Uh, I don't know if you know much about eagles. I do not know much about eagles. I know that they're eagles. 
I know that they fly. I know that they fly above the storms of this world. I know they're majestic. I know they are swift. I know they are tenacious. I know that they do not quit. And I know they act out of instinct, not according to emotions. And for some unusual reason, God is extolling the wonderful works of God to his people and is saying God is worthy to be praised and honored and obeyed. And he uses a metaphor of an eagle and her young. Before he gets to verse 11, he reminds them in verse 2, through four. In verse two, he reminds the people of God of the doctrine of God. In verse two, he says, My doctrine shall drop as the rain. Doctrine, truth. Ladies and gentlemen, God does not change near as often as we do. And there's another thing that does not change. What God teaches does not change. His doctrine does not change. And God is reminding the Israelites that from Abraham all the way till now, God's doctrine has not changed. Now, we may change. TV may change. Culture may change. Everything changes, but God's doctrine will not change. God's the same today as he was yesterday, and he'll be the same tomorrow. Amen? His doctrine has not changed. He talks about God's name in verse number two. He talks about God's greatness in verse number three. He talks about God's stability in chapter, in verse number four. And ladies and gentlemen, if this world needs anything, it's stability. If our kids need to see anything in mom and dad, it's old-fashioned, hang on to it, don't change, don't quit, don't pass out, and don't pass over, but stay stable so that they can see something that's real. Well, then he reminds them of his work in verse 4. He reminds them of his judgment in verse 4. He reminds them of his truth in verse 4. He reminds them of his message and his correctness in verse 4. Moses, now in verse 5, notice this, changes his message in verse 5. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. He begins, if you please, in verse number five, a spiritual thrashing. He starts telling them like it is. He starts preaching against their lifestyle. He begins to preach about them doing their own thing. Not a smile in the house right now. What he does is after 40 days, he puts a little bite in the message. 
He might be tempted to make folk angry every once in a while. And then he begins to paint a beautiful picture. Just before entering into Canaan, he paints the picture. And he used a metaphor, if you please. It is using words denoting one kind of object or idea in place of another to suggest the likeness between them. Watch this. As an eagle deals with her eaglets, so God deals with his people. Get this now. As an eagle, verse number 12. As an eagle, verse number 12. Verse number, I mean verse number 11. And verse 11, so the Lord. Verse 11, as an eagle, verse 12, so the Lord. Verse 11, as an eagle deals with her young, so the Lord deals with with his people. Ladies and gentlemen, today, I believe God's still dealing with his people. Notice verse 11, this verse reveals the gentleness of God. The gentleness of God. I'm glad that God is gentle with me at times because I need somebody to whisper sweet nothings in my ear occasionally. Ginger does it after I buy her wonderful prizes and so forth and so on. Mandy does it when she wants something. Andrew don't ever do it because he's spoiled to begin with. But as an eagle, watch this now, as an eagle, it suggests to you and I, God's dealings with us and God's dealings with Israel is synonymous to how an eagle deals with her young. It speaks of gentleness. Now, in the Bible, as you know, God is always referred to as masculine not feminine. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his, not her, not shim, but his only begotten son. In Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. The feminist movement in America has so promoted and so prompted and propagated their false doctrine and has tried every ungodly, underhanded way in the world to make God a she. But it ain't going to work. It will not work. It has never worked. And the Bible refers to God as masculine, not feminine, and not transgendered. When God speaks of authority, he always used the masculinity, he or him or man. 
When God speaks of power, he always speaks of, speaks of masculinity. I don't know if you are not, know it or not, but men are not built like women. Thusly, they do not think like women. Thusly, they don't smell like women. There are a difference. English, there is a difference. The Bible always used the correct wording. When referring to God as powerful, strength, creative, majestic, it always uses the right words, masculine. But speaking of his gentleness, it speaks in the feminine. As an eagle, as an eagle cares for his young or her young. I'm glad that the Bible is always correct and always knows what it's doing. And I am glad, bless your heart, that the Bible says. And Moses says, as an eagle, so the Lord. As an eagle is tender with its young, so the Lord is tender with his young. Notice now he says, as an eagle, watch this, stirreth her nest. The nest of an eagle. I really don't know this for sure, but I read recently that an eagle's nest takes about six to 10 weeks to build. Normally they are about five foot in diameter. If you wanna check that out, go find you one climb whatever you got to climb to about a hundred feet in the air and say, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. Or just believe me, they're about five foot in diameter. Can weigh as much as 2,000 pounds built out of wood and limbs and rocks and so forth and so on. And on the inside, it is covered with fur, feathers, and grass to make it so comfortable and gentle for little eaglets to be nurtured, not housed. Nest or for brooding not abiding. No, eagles don't provide insurance until they're 27 years old. <laughs> Little eaglets goes to work and buys insurance for themselves. As an eagle, now don't get mad at me. You say, preacher, it's too late. 
The nest is the eaglet's entire world. All they know is five foot of mom and daddy feeding them and comfort and safety and security beyond all measure. Just a wonderful couch, 72-inch television and PlayStation. Eaglets has it made. Verse 11, as an eagle, so the Lord. Well, look at that word, stareth. Sure wish that wasn't in there. As an eagle stirreth its nest. Well, I guess she decides if these dumb little birds is just thinking they're going to stay here all their life and have any doubt about what those things are on the side. I guess I'm going to have to make it a little uncomfortable in the nest. And mama begins to take her beak and to stir up that nest and grabs the soft skins of animals that they have thrived on and throws those soft skins aside and moves all the grass from the middle of the nest and, and reaches down and pulls up the sticks and the jagged edges so now that when the little eaglets try to sit down, it stinks them on the bottom. <laughs> I can't sit down. And moves the little eaglets close to the edge of the nest. An eagle supposedly gains a pound every five days. And at the age of six weeks to eight weeks, their wings are fully developed. But now they've just been sitting on the couch, PlayStation, because they're comfortable and everything cool. Until mama, mean old mama bird, begins to stir the nest. As an eagle, so is the Lord. Your nest been stirred lately? Anything happened that arrested your comfort zone? Have you become apathetic sitting around in your soft little nest? 
not doing anything for God, pretending like you're number one on the totem pole. As an eagle stirreth the nest, verse 12, so the Lord. The problem is, we're so carnal, we can't even equate spirituality to anything that happens to us. I question a relationship when a person completely eradicates God out of what's happening to their life. Let's go on because I see right now that went over like a pregnant pole vaulter. Eagles are not created for comfortable nest. Eagles are born to fly. Mother Eagle knows the danger of staying in the nest too long. Too comfortable might tend to produce couch potato eagles. Too secure might produce fearful and failure and faithlessness. May I say to you today, faith grows through crisis, not comfort. Well, I don't know what's going on in my life. Glad you're here today. God may be stirring your nest. Mother Eagle knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, if everything is always too easy, we become a burden and not a blessing. And may I say to you today, hard times could be simply flight preparation in your life. Have you ever thought of that? I, I hope that you have. We would equate Mama Eagle making an uncomfortable for the little eaglets, bad parenting. Why, what's those parents, what's those eagles thinking about? That is child brutality. Making it uncomfortable for those kids in the house. They have to do something other than just Becoming a potato. Please. And I read one time, so the Lord. God is a gentle God. A caring and wise God. And I was wondering... Why does he allow us to become uncomfortable? Why does things happen to us 
that makes it uncomfortable where we live. Could it be for our good? Could it be for our good? When the Bible says, for all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. I'd just like to run something by you here. What is our attitude when our nest is being stirred? Is Harvey just the act of nature? Is it just global warming? Why, you know the water in the Gulf is 80 to 90 degrees. And what could have produced that much heat other than global warming? That's why we're having so many storms and that's why the hurricanes are on us and that's why earthquakes are happening and that's why tornadoes happen. It's just an act of nature. And it's our fault. God could not be staring the nest to remind anybody who really is in control. It's science, bless God. If you don't believe me, ask Fox and CNN and B-U-L-L. And we sit around and Oh, I don't know what's happening. Could it be that the nester who controls the winds and the weather is trying to get somebody's attention? God forbid that that should happen. Why? He's just another warmonger in North Korea. God will not have anything to do with nuclear armaments, but just another warmonger, Islam, Muslims, terrorism, ah, just another false religion. God is not trying to stir anybody's nest. God forbid. I got a Greek word for you. I preach myself into a heart attack and you sat around here and just stay as carnal as you usually were. God wouldn't stir my nest. I'm too, I'm too holy. We've got sickness and drugs and divorces and kids and, and just, it's just part of life. Yep, it might be God stirring the nest to get you out of your couch potato mindset and realize that God's still on the throne. Well, I just wonder, ain't God good? He's gentle in his dealings with us. But in this verse, it reveals also God's concern for us. Verse 11, it says, 
as an eagle stirreth her nest, fluttereth over her young. Fluttereth, I think, means Strong wingspan, little eaglets, comfortable sitting in the center of the nest. Whap! Get yourself over to the whap, pop, whap, whap. Discipline. Flattereth over a nest. A beautiful picture, if you please. A beautiful picture of God leading his children. Fluttereth. Have you wondered why God used an eagle mother instead of a human mother for an analogy? Why didn't God say, I'm not going to say ginger because I'd get in a whole lot of trouble. Why didn't God say, as Beatrice with Jean, so the Lord, his children? Why didn't he use human analogy instead of eagle analogy? I know you've thought of that. I can tell by the look of your face. You spend a lot of time wondering about that. I can tell by looking. But nonetheless, God did not use human analogy. He used animal analogy because the eagle acts out of instinct, not emotions. You remember how difficult you were on them kids when they were two and three? And they got to be 16 and 17. Oh, that's all right. I remember the standard some of you folks had when your kids were five and six. I watched them change when they were 11 and 12. You know what? Because you changed. Culture changed. Philosophy changed. Everything changed. But the eagle kept doing it the same way. Maybe he used eagles because of consistency reasons. Kids need consistency. Kids need mamas and dads that are the same today yesterday and tomorrow. Kids need parents. If it's wrong for the parents to drink it, it's wrong for it to be in the refrigerator to begin with. Amen, 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 amen. But eagles, they're consistent throughout time because they are motivated by instinct. It could be maybe because of carnality. Hmm? 
we work with this flesh and we deal with this flesh and we're about to start yelling of what cause time it is because this flesh and this flesh changes us. This flesh changes our philosophy. And our kids watch all this change, all this change. And when they get to be old enough to do what we're doing, they don't know where to start. So God used an ego because of our carnality, because of our consistency, maybe because of our culture. God knows you can't whip kids anymore. I'm telling you, if my mom and daddy come back, I'd turn them in. And I know what my dad would do. Keep the sorry little devil. You raise him. Well, my kids are little angels. Yeah, but when they get out to Walmart, they grow a forked tail and horns. So God uses an eagle and not human because of consistency, because of carnality. And he flutter over the youngs. And that big old mama eagle gets up on the edge of that nest and say, now brats, watch this. These are wings. Kids, this is how you do it. What's them? Mama must be losing her cool. Who else is going to teach them to fly? The tadpoles? Who's going to teach them what wings are for? Unless she flutters her wings. This is how you do it, kids. Daddy, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Kids, this is how you live for God. This is how you pray. This is how you win souls. This is how you study a Bible. This is how you treat your wife. So on and so forth. By the way, when the little kids gets out of, out of hand, they take that big old wing and flap him across the head and say, now you straighten out. Fluttereth our clothes. This not only reveals God's concern and God's gentleness, but it reveals God's purpose. Verse 11. The Bible said that spreadeth broad her wings. Suddenly the nest starts being moved closer to the cliff's edge. The eaglets looking down over the edge of the cliff. Mama is fluttering her wings and accidentally hit the little eagle in the tail feathers and over the cliff, the eaglet begins to fall. To its death for sure. And as it falls, it begins to flutter those wings and 
Do what mama was doing upon the edge of the cliff and weak and, and very, very weak and begins to flop them wings and it looks as though that little eaglet is going to fall to its death and suddenly that mother, that father whose wings are spread abroad swoops down underneath the frightened little eaglet and he lands softly on the back of mom and daddy and up and up he soars toward the nest again thinking that everything is fine until just before he gets to the nest edge, he turns upside down and the eaglet begins to fall again. And the natural reaction is the eaglets begin to work feverishly with those, with those wings and trying to do it. And down, 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 he falls and seemingly to his death, whap, shoop, under the eaglet, Mom and dad swoops him up again on the back in the soft, comfortable feathers. And up to the edge he goes again. And over and over and over. It is repeated until finally the eaglet gathers the air under his own wings. And feverishly and very weakly flies because God created eagles to fly not to be comfortable get the drift as an eagle works with her young for her young's benefit for her young's growth and for her young's victory so the Lord works in our life every day to help us become what he created us to be full grown Eagles able to fly through this world's troubles with faith and praise and victory for his name. And all of God's people said, I wish I could have done a better job on the message. But in closing, I will previously try to read this. It was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth of his while to waste his time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bidding? Good people, he cried, who starts the bidding with me? One dollar, one dollar do I hear two? Two dollars, who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three. But no, way back in the back of the room, 
An old gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow, then wiped the dust from the old violin and tightened up the strings. And he played a melody, pure and sweet, as sweet as when the angels sing. The music ceased in the auctioneer with voice that was quiet and low. Said now, what now am I bid for this old violin? He held it up aloft with its bow. One thousand, two thousand, do I hear two? Two thousand, who makes it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried. We just don't understand what changed its worth. Sweet came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. Many a man with life out of tune, all battered with bourbon and gin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd much like that old violin a mess of pottage a glass of wine a game and he travels on he goes once he's going twice he's going and almost gone but the master comes and the foolish crowd never can understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. As an eagle cares for her young, so the Lord cares for his.